Can the Packers come back again? Did they get that playoff at the end of the third quarter? Mr. Logical says no. It's looking so. kind of shady. But you know what? <coughs> <laughs> yes. You are now listening to the sounds of Sports Reports is ordered. Mr. Logical is here. That was correct. They didn't get it here. Off. They just showed the replay. They didn't get it off. Dame Lillard isn't here. Conspiracy against Detroit. But he ain't in Portland no more. We're going to talk about the trade, our thoughts, what's going to happen going forward. Drew Holiday. And I saw a betting odds. Milwaukee's now the favorite. Wow. We got week four. Off right now, 27 to 17, Detroit, 14-52 left in the game at Lambeau Field. We got picks. And then we're going to finish it off with a little college football. Who's on upset alert? Who's going to go down? But Mr. Logical said it's about to get better. Order another round because it's about to go down. What's happening, sir? Listen. We got full-fledged sports going on. I want to shout out to all the people involved in making this Dame Lillard, Aiden, Nurkic, Grayson Allen trade. I was just kind of done with the pundits playing fantasy basketball with all these trade scenarios. I'm pretty sure there was better ones out there or at least different ones and movements and different pieces, but certain, you know, everybody wants to leave the table and any kind of like a business deal, you know, as if they were up, but most likely it's like this. Every business deal you have, you kind of leave the table a little bit disappointed or you didn't like, there wasn't a good deal. More likely if you are, if I'm trading Dame Lillard to Charlotte, and I get their whole starting lineup. Yeah, from Portland, I feel like I got a good deal. But the people in Charlotte not going to feel the same way. So any kind of really, really good business deal, normally somebody has to compromise. I'm just I'm just shouting out the fact that they, they made this move, mainly because you knew as Portland it wasn't going to work. If they wasn't excited to get Scoot in there and you were going to run this, Small guard, two-headed, you the one, I'm the two, you the one, I'm the two, I'm the two, you the one, whatever the case may be, back and forth. If they weren't going to run that, then you might as well go ahead and try to get as much as you can out of it. And I think they got a pretty solid deal. We all knew for years Aiton wasn't happening in Phoenix. So I think it's a good deal. Hey, Jimmy Butler said the NBA need to do some investigations. For tampering, I can't trust anybody with all them beads in their hair. You know this. <laughs> um, I like the you deal. Make poor decisions. <laughs> I like the deal. Um, I like it for Milwaukee. Obviously, you know they get Dame. You know, because as Milwaukee was in my mind, at least they were done as a contender. Like they were still going to be the second best team in the East, but that's just because there aren't a lot of good teams in the East. So that doesn't make them like, a contender being the second team in the East. The way well, they well, no, 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 what, but what I mean by that is a championship contender. Yeah, like, 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 like they would have got to the, they could have they could have gotten to the finals 
but they aren't a team that I would have went in thinking like, oh, they got a chance. Or like, I just think that Milwaukee had hit their peak. Because, I mean, we got to remember, I don't want to be that guy. But, you know, the championship that they did win, you know, Kyrie got hurt, Harden got hurt, Kevin Durant's foot on the line. You got to have luck to win titles. But they haven't – they dominated regular seasons. Like, they go on these long winning streaks during the regular season. But they haven't put their stamp on a playoff run, you know. So, from that standpoint, Middleton's getting older. Drew's getting was getting older. They were, you know, Middleton's been injured a lot recently. So, uh, Lopez, Brooke Lopez is 35. So, you know, I just felt that they were at a point where Giannis is saying, y'all got to do something before I bounce. And I don't think he was just talking. I think he saw the writing on the wall, you know. But now that they got Dame, they've added an extra three years potentially to a window now, you know, whereas with, the Suns, you know, when I look at the Suns, they got some depth. Like we all talked about, they got KD, they got Booker, they got Durant, <coughs> and then they got to play 40 minutes a game. Like they still might have to play 38, you know, but they got a few extra players. Grayson Allen, you always talk about it. You got to have the crazy dude on your team if you want to be a championship level team. He's the crazy dude. He'll trip you. He'll choke you. He'll kick you in the nuts. All kinds Break of Break your wrists. All that stuff. You know, uh, Portland, I like it for Portland from the standpoint of, you know, they had to get rid of Dame anyway, regardless if they wanted to or he wanted to, whatever the case may be. It was time. It's over. You know, they got to the Western Conference Finals one year and that was it. They got swept, you know, because they didn't belong there anyway, you know, but but now, you know, they got uh, the 2029 first. You know, and they got pick swaps in 2028 and 2030. So, like, that's a little ways away. But that's three to four years now that Scoot gets to develop, become maximum Scoot or whatever he's going to become. You know, Shaden Sharp is still there, young. He's going to be a good player down the road. They still got Anthony Simons. So, in the backcourt, they're set. And that's why the Tyler Hero thing didn't make sense because – they were just going to move him probably just like they're trying to move Drew Holiday now if they would have got him in the deal. And I don't know if he would have got back the return that Drew Holiday is potentially going to bring back. If you would have traded him to a team that really wants to shoot threes, you think about like how Indiana can't seem to figure out how to keep Buddy healed. Which I don't get. I don't get it either, but maybe it's just maybe it's the fit thing. Maybe it's the fit Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's just a delivered message. Like, yo, I don't want to play here. I don't like the way you guys run your offense. I don't want to play here. And it's like, okay, you got to go. Well, they've been trying to trade Miles Turner for the last four years. (laughs) But He's the new John Collins. It's going to be the same kind of uh, conversation. Like We'll we'll get into the Drew Holiday tree. It's the same kind of conversation associated with James Harden. Having James Harden on your team, yes, you might not get – the 2015, 16, 17, 18, 30 points, 50 point triple double, James Harden, you know, introducing new moves in the NBA with the step back. Some of it was travels, is is with this. You might not get that version of James Harden, but you might have a viable player in James Harden. But if you're trying to trade, if Philly is trying to use, oh, 
this is James Harden is like, oh, you need to give us X amount of players and all these other picks because we're paying him $35, $36 million. We want all of this. And it's like, yo, this is a James Harden that's given us 19 to 22 points in the regular season and somewhere around that area in the postseason. It's not the same James Harden as the guy that was giving you 31 and a half, 32 and a half in Houston in the playoff, you know, in that regular season. So it might be the same kind of situation with all these players like Buddy Hill and Evan Turner, where GMs is like, listen, you want to stretch four, you want to stretch five, you want a two that can shoot, and they're asking for too much, and guys are just sitting stagnant, and they'd rather sit a guy on the bench and not play him. And I think that's what's going to happen with James because you were talking about this offline. Philly, per some of these pundits and sources and quote-unquote other sources maybe. Philly might be in a running for Drew Holiday. Mm-hmm. And I presented the question to you, like, okay, if they get Drew Holiday, what are they going to do with James Harden? And you were like, well, Max is – because you had Drew Holiday coming off the bench because in your mind they would run Maxie Harden, Drew off the bench. But it's like, who says Drew wants to come off the bench? And then on top of that, it's like – may, Maybe it would have been reversed. Then maybe Maxie turns into, like, the Jamal Crawford dude. Yeah, but Maxie's trying to get his first big check mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because what happens, and as far as what I know about the rudimentary knowledge that I have about NBA contracts, is that your first one sets the bar for your second one because it's like timeline windows. And I could be off with the dates, but say you get drafted at 19, you know, you get your first three years in the league, your first opportunity for that super max extension, a la what Jalen Brown got. Well, Maxie might be in that window to get one of those contracts that Tobias Harris got, where you can get that 180, 200 million, somewhere in that range, that that early Mike Conley contract. Mm -hmm. But you have to be an all star, star, shoot this many shots, be on the floor this many times, you know, and hit all these other benchmarks to to bolster your negotiation standpoint, your negotiation stance. But if you bring in a guy that can essentially do your job and he can play point guard and he has a chip and he has evidence of him shutting down some of the better wing offensive players in your conference, it's going to be kind of tough. So Including I don't know. Including Dame. I, I don't know if it's going to be. It's, I would think that Daryl Morey. I'm pretty sure he's a gambling man, and a lot of guys are smarter than me, and they get paid a lot of money to make these decisions. But ultimately, he's like, what am I going to do with James other than just either give him the contract he wants or someone's close to that? Because I don't know if bringing in Drew Holiday is going to help that because you might be in a situation where you're John Wall and James Harden. So what's the market? Like okay, so, so, now, so now, in, theor- in theory – you know, there would have to be a market out there. So we know the Clippers were interested in James Harden at one point. You know, what other team can we pontificate about that? Pontificate, I like that. Let's yeah. That. Like, like, who, who, who would take James? James? Yeah, at this point. Like, right now, we're in training camp. You know, just about media day is next week. You know, like, we're literally three weeks, three, four weeks away from the season starting. So, like, what team out there has that need or want? 
So if I if I match it with a team versus like am I what who am I who am I in the situation? Am I a GM trying to move James or am I James trying to figure out my new team? Either or. Like like you're the t- you're a team that seems hard. If I'm James, because if somebody wanted them, they would have them already. If I'm James looking for my new team, and Drew Holiday's available, and I'm talking to Philly. I'm going to just tell Philly, I'm going to make this, but necessarily tell him, but I'm like, Philly knows I can make an offer to get Drew Holiday. And I might not get the same amount of individual scoring. But if I'm a team like, let's say Orlando, a lot of young players, a couple of pieces they can move. You got Ben Carroll, you got Suggs. You can make Wagner, these moves. Yeah. Wagner, so it's like, all right, I can move Jalen Suggs and some kind of package to get Drew Holiday here. He could be my veteran stability piece and let these guys develop. If I'm Orlando, I can't call Philly and make that same move and get James Harden for him to be that stability piece. So mm-hmm. I think I think in this scenario, for lack of a better analogy, I think Drew Holiday is just like the prettier, prettier single girl available to the suitors. So, so I was thinking. And obviously, this would be a disappointment for the fan base. Mm-hmm. But does Miami go after Drew Holiday? Because then you run into that same issue of what are you going to send Portland? Because you know, obviously, they already if made a Portland move. didn't. Want, if they didn't want to make make magic with you, or make a deal with you to get Dame, I'm not sure what you can offer. Them what did I Drew. miss? Did the Packers go off sides on the uh field goal? I was I was I was yeah, I was looking, though. yeah, I was looking and Detroit kicked the field goal, and then I just looked back up on I was looking at your TV actually, and then they took the points off this off the board, and Detroit has the ball, third and goal. And at a minimum, you can run off almost two minutes off. Yeah, we're at 651, third and goal. Detroit's still up 27 to 17. Detroit at the eight. Here we go. Jared Goff with the snap. They're going to run the ball. And they're down to the one. So it looks like they're probably either going to – maybe they'll go for it, but we'll see. But anyway, go ahead. Um, So Drew Holiday, like I said, the fact that Drew Holiday is available, it might kind of stymie the James Harden Mm -hmm. talk because James is getting you 20 points a game. Seven, eight assists. Eleven assists. I think he led the league last year. I don't think it was last year, but I know recently. So he can be he can be that guy. Um, but if he goes to a place where he he went for it and got the touchdown, there you go. If he went to a place where he felt like, oh, Embiid is a better option to me offensively. Max, he's a shooter. Tobias Harris, I got these guys. I can be a playmaker here. But if he goes somewhere like – I'm trying to think of a team. Give me a team. Give me a team. Well, for Drew Holiday, I was going to bring up the Clippers. But they got Russ. I don't know how that works. <coughs> I don't I don't know. Like, And it, who do you have to give up? Like, Because Portland's going to want something because Drew Holiday is a, is a talent. Mm-hmm. If I think of an Eastern team, like maybe Chicago because Lonzo Ball might never play again. 
I think that. Well, I know, I know that there were talks recently that to try to get Dame, Chicago was dangling Zach Levine out there. I think he's a great trade piece because I think that's well, he's like six 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 seven mm-hmm. can score. People say, oh, he doesn't play defense. Defense is a team concept. It's a team mindset. So yeah, you could always if just I'm switch. on the floor with three or four dudes, and they don't care about defense. Like if, like if you think about the Knicks when they had Shumpert and uh, what's the boy name J.R. Smith, they were on the same team. People don't think it and with, with Carmelo Anthony. They people don't think of them as a defensive team. But you get Shump, J.R. Smith, with Kyrie, Kevin Love, LeBron James on the floor, and those two guys are not given defensive responsibilities as well as the other three guys on the floor who are playing their defensive role. Now mm-hmm. Cleveland looks like a defensive team. So it's, right. a, it's a mindset. It's not an individual player thing. Yes, James Harden has been notorious about the, oh, he doesn't play defense, but he was playing in Houston where Mike D'Antoni wanted you to get a shot up with 16 seconds left on the on the shot clock. So why am I going to waste my energy well, trying Houston to de- also, defend this second pick and roll when I could just try to get the rebound? Well, Houston also just switched everybody, you know? So, like, it worked out to where Harden didn't necessarily have to be Scottie Pippen, you know, because they had P.J. Tucker, they had Chris Paul, they had Trevor Ariza at one point. And you know, you just switch all that, like you know, Boston does that a lot. Yeah, so, once again, they were getting the ball off the rebound or out of the net, and they were trying <laughs> to get a shot off in 16 by, by 16 seconds on the play clock. That would that's what with Nash, that's what Chris Paul, that's what Stoudemire, that's what Sean Marion, like all of those guys. That was the Dan Tony system. So, you know, I like, I, I wish Harden and Philly could make it work. But it might have been one of those situations where he thought that he was going to get $150 million over three years. And it's like, dog, you have it. You, we, like I said, we'll talk about this a lot. We did the Air Force thing. The Air Force will give you a bonus to re enlist, but that bonus is extrapolated across the years that you re-enlist for. Unless you're deployed and you get it tax-free, whatever the case may be. So if you sign up for five years and they give you a $50,000 bonus, you get like half up front, it's tax, and then they give you portions of the remaining 25000 over the five years. So they're paying you to stay. NBA contracts notoriously have been based off of like your past performance. So you have guys like Dame who are currently probably going to, I think he's getting about, about 57 million. I think we discussed in one of our previous yeah, episodes. At, at some point it's going to hit 60 and go north 60 million. Mm-hmm. And then like Russell Westbrook, a lot of his contract, people are like, Oh my God, you're paying him 48 million. Like, well, when he signed it, it was like 39 million. And then as the years went on, it was John Wall, 42, John Wall, <laughs> Chris Paul, Al Horford, Chris Paul, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Jalen Brown's contracts crazy. So I think as the years have gone by and these contracts have gone up, you got a guy like Steph. Steph is still playing. Like if I'm paying, if you're paying Steph $45 million this year and 48 next year and 50 the year after that, you can look at Steph right now and say to yourself, 
I'm going to get 85 to 90% or 90 cents on every dollar I'm giving this guy through what he can bring me over the next few years, even though I'm paying him 45, 50, whatever the case, I know I'm going to get 42 to 43 million dollars out of it because he's he's still at that prime. You giving James Harden $50 million right now, you're not getting a $50 million season out of him. You'll get a 30-something million dollar season out of him because he's not the game changer they used to be. It's the same thing as, like, if you try to sign LeBron to a contract right now for three years, $55 million a year starting next season, after this season's over. Like, you can't look at him and be like, you know what, over the next three years, this guy's worth $155 to $160 million. As far yeah, so, as on the court. And yeah, I think James Harden got caught in that window because I think his contract might have been a little later. He had college, team, different extensions. Whereas Kyrie, yeah, Kyrie's in that window where it's like, I think I got three years of Kyrie. I think I can get him. Whereas James might be like, I don't have three to four years. And he wants that. And I can't give it to him because I'm not look, I'm not seeing a guy. He's bigger. He's a bigger guy. Like De'Aaron Fox at 31 or 32 is probably going to look the same way. Slender guy, quick move. Zach Levine is another guy the same way. But, like, if you're looking at Alonzo Ball, like his knees are so bad, even if he comes back next year and he's like, okay, he's good to go, you can look at him like, yo, I don't know if his knees can hold up. Look, I mean, just look at Kawhi. With the hardness, like, I don't know if his, I don't know if he is over, his, over the hill yet. You don't want to give him $160 million to find out. Right. And I think Harden, it's just hard to tell because his game is like generally slower anyway. So like, you know, outside of Houston, you know, he does the whole dribble and air out the ball thing. So his game was never really predicated on being athletic, you know. And now as we sit here talking about this, I've been thinking, trying to find a team, and I just can't find one, you know? So, like, for Drew Holiday, for example, you know, I could see the value that he brings to another team as far as having the championship experience, being a defender. Like, even so if he like were to stay... Contenders or just any team? Just any team, but, but like, more so contenders, you know? Because Harden is the type of dude that if you don't have a Joel Embiid, you almost he's the type of player that you almost have to build a system around like he like he has to be the system or he has to be a big part of the system drew holiday i think can just fit in you know he could you could put him on just about any team and he just brings a certain intensity and level to your team cuz i feel like drew holiday is all his presence is all about basketball right right he's right Harden. He's a celebrity. At, it's at first it can come off as celebrity. And that's not an indictment on the fact that he 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 put himself in that position through his his talent, his accolades, his awards, his charisma, whatever the case may be. But when it comes down to it, I'm paying you off of your ability to play basketball. Your mm -hmm. charisma is cool, but I can if I'm a contender, I'm filling the arena. I got 18 to 20,000 seats a night full. Yeah, maybe I might not sell as, I might not be able to mark my prices up as much if I don't have a Steph, if I don't have Dame, if I don't have a LeBron or KD or Kyrie or Luka or Jokic. 
But I'm I'm selling out all 41 of my home games off of the fact that I have a good team put together. And I don't want to give too much money to you because I don't know if you're going to make that team any better. So it's like, why am I giving you more money? Whereas Drew Holiday, if you're a contender, if you are not necessarily Dallas because they have a small guard, Kyrie, already. But I'm not sure why Phoenix didn't try to pull him in there. Well, then, they, then they really wouldn't have had no death. <laughs> I mean, like, we, I don't know, NBA contracts, we got to make the money work. And, like, I'm still, like, I told you, I'm still on that 37 and 45 well, for Phoenix. Well, I didn't forget. Well, this trade well, didn't change my mind. Well, what's Miami now? You know, uh, you know, Max Struess is gone. Gabe Vincent is gone. You know, um, they still got Jimmy Butler, obviously. Like Miami has a luxury of playing basketball and figuring it out while the season's going on because he has Eric Sposher has the four finals run with the Heatles. And then he has two more with Jimmy Butler, you know, one in the bubble and then one last year. Mm-hmm. He has the leverage for people to say, oh, they'll figure it out. They'll get guy number 11 on the bench to come in and contribute 11 to 12 points or that guy to give you nine and 10 rebounds because he has the cachet through recent, like, you know, not necessarily, necessarily recently biased. But just recent history, so he has that. So he has the, the the parachute to see if his team that he has is working out, and they might make a trade deadline move. Whereas you have a team like like Dallas, for instance. Dallas is one of those teams that made the move to get Kyrie. That they are the team as a fan base expected to make a splash. Now. Because you made the move last year, and we don't know if the coach and the organization, you know, is going to get as far, and we might lose Luca. Same thing with Philly. Philly's in that same boat. Philly has to make a move or start off the season very well. Twelve and two. two I know, mean, which is definitely on five. the table. They know. have they have to do that though. Like right. the Lakers have to do that. Denver can start off their season. 13 and 10 Eight. and people yeah. say and people will say oh that's just hangover from the championship they lost some pieces they still have this guy they still have this guy they still have this coach they still have this guy they'll turn it around Miami will have that same oh they still have Jimmy Butler they still got Spo they still got Pat Riley they'll turn it around right Dallas starts off 12 and 10 it's pandemonium it's time to panic who do you move is Luka gonna be there and and that's just that just comes along with it drew holiday can be one of those guys that can calm that kind of talk mm-hmm. but it has to be the absolute perfect and, and see and i think that and i think that he would be like an absolute perfect fit next to luca you know but like just going through the landscape of the nba you know i would imagine that he and Portland are having conversations that involve the word contender, you know, or the article I read said 
they're trying to move him to a contender. Right. I, and, think, and, I think that comes off that. I think that's the same thing that, that Harden doesn't have. I think Harden doesn't have that cachet with front office people because, like, we talked about this the other day about guys talking in college football about, you know, a tips here, a tip here, a tip there. I think in the GM office, those guys are probably a little bit more tight knit and like, yo, this dude, James Harden, showed up in a fat suit in Houston and did everything he could to get out. And then the guy in Boston was like, yeah, Sean Marks, like, yeah. I tried to sit him all down, talk to him. And he wasn't trying to hear it. He only sent me every time I called him, he sent me the voicemail. And now Daryl Morey has the whole the video evidence of James Harden calling him a liar. Right. So it just kind of it kind of cuts the you know cuts the meat you know legs are underneath of the Morey because he's like I can't even move you now because your reputation is such that you if you're unhappy you just want to leave. Well, you right. calling me a liar. I got to send you to another gym. I well, got to get another gym to sign off on you. Well, that's Where what I I've think through holiday will be any, you can send him to Charlotte. I think he'll still make it pop. Well, that's why I've always said that, you know, James Harden is everything that um, Kyrie critics call him. Yo, you know, 100%. You know, so you I mean, Kyrie trying to squash beef on Twitter last week. We were talking about it. Yeah. So, you know, you know any, two men should talk about this in private. So yeah, we'll see what happens though. You know, I'm I'm interested. You know, they they they've piqued my interest. You know, like I would like to see where Drew Holiday ends up. But last thing, you know, I saw that Milwaukee is now the betting favorite to win the title. All I'm saying is we barely talked about him in this segment. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Like, all right. So know. real quick, real quick. Obviously, we're going to do an MV, NBA preview at some point, but. As of today, sitting here right now, who's your top five contenders? Out of the league? Yeah. I'll go I'll go Boston because I like their core. Um, and they're they're paid. I don't like Philly because I think it's tumultuous. So I'll go Boston, Denver. <sighs> I gotta say the Knicks because they're just they're still together. I like Cleveland, Sacramento. This man really going to sit up here in front of my face and say a team with Julius Randle on it. Um, you didn't even say the Lakers. Because I think the Lakers have way too many pieces. I think they have way too many. At The Lakers have... The Lakers are the Lakers about to get in a fight. And they called up a friend and was like, yo, dog, I need you to bring all these people here because these dudes are trying to fight me at the skate rink. And they're and the Lakers are showing up with dudes that we don't know if they could fight or not. We 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 they gave them money, they paid Vanderbilt, they brought in Christian Rudd. They paid Reeves. Rumor has he could have got ninety four million for one team. I think he, he could have around the sixty, the sixty four. He, he took four years. He took four years, fifty six million. Yeah, so he took a low number from the Lakers. Granted, he might get two or three commercial deals out of it if he if he signs a Clutch Sports, they'll hook him up. He'll be on all the <laughs> black talk shows and podcasts. Uh, so I, I think the Lakers kind of showed up with these guys that fit this mold, but we have no idea if it works together. I noticed Whereas you didn't I think, say the Warriors either. 
I said I, I was I said the words right before you said I'm surprised you didn't say it. Oh, like, okay. Like the Warriors, okay. like I was I, I was whispering the Warriors simply because I, the Empire has fallen. I still think that I think the way that they want to play basketball in the NBA right now, the Warriors the Warriors have the best uh I wanna say blueprint. The best the, the, the you know what's say blueprint. They they have the pieces you need. Or they set the standard to play that, yeah. and then they can just add—not necessarily add a piece, but they can bring in a piece. Well, they just and, brought and in they, Rudy Gay yesterday, you know. So you know, maybe he'll play a little defense. You know how that goes, but uh, yeah. So I think for me, I got uh, Boston. Um, I'm a little higher than you are on the Lakers, but I don't know about contender. You know, I just uh, think it's very, very tough to play with LeBron. Look, I just I think mean, it's his. For me, it's basketball. just his age. For me, it's just his age. You Shumps know, on uh, a podcast. J.R. Smith went back to college. Kevin Love, I think he plays in Miami every once in a while. I think it's just tough to play with LeBron. Russ, it just Russ was a former MVP. Russ was he had a signature shoe. Russ was a well, I think he's good though because player. they added pieces this year that are more complimentary. They didn't go for the star, so like adding like a Gabe Vincent, he'll get some good looks. You know, um, Christian Wood can be a bit of a knucklehead though. You know, so I mean, we'll have to see how that works out. But um, I think I go uh, Denver, um, Boston, Milwaukee. And then from there, it's kind of open season, you know, um, to where if Ja could keep his head on, I would like Memphis a lot too, you but know. The 25 but, games. Right, right. That's tough to come they back gotta from. got to go 16 and 9. Yeah, yeah. For, that's for tough him to come to, back from. For him to be able to acclimate and get the ground, hit the ground running. Yeah, I like back. Cleveland. I like Cleveland. And – uh it's tough coming up with a fifth team, so I guess I'll just go with the Lakers. Um, Sacramento, I still think, needs either another shooter or, like, if this if this Euro League player comes over and you know can do the and thing, plays, yeah, yeah, because they because they're cause they're still. Going, I'm just going with continuity. I think it's hard for me out. after it's hard for me after 2016 to trust a team with Harrison Barnes in the starting lineup. Yeah, when, when in doubt, I go with continuity. Like, yeah, yeah. You, like, if I if if I ever was in a position to be like a, a play caller and 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 football, yeah, I can have these sluggos and these go routes and these double moves, but fifty five degrees, the rain is coming in sideways. I'm running every running back that I have on the field, two tight ends. And I'm going to go with the, I know this works. I know that if you win this battle across from this guy, it can work. And I think that continuity, that that that's how you build continuity. It's like, listen, right. let's get these guys going downhill. You know, granted, this is a basketball, you know, basketball conversation with a football reference. I just know that that works better. And I figure that having a team that went through win, lose, a draw, pain, and suffering a previous year, mm-hmm. and you bring that whole group back, and then you add a couple of pieces, I think that only hopes to to bold your your case to be better the following year versus a team like the Lakers that added random pieces and signed some guys. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee now with this trade, the that's why I'm like that's why I'm very low on Phoenix. 
That's why I, I'm sticking to that 37 and 45 with Phoenix because it's like I don't think you added the right pieces. Granted, if they make a, a hell of a move, a 2018 Cleveland Cavaliers move, where you get rid of half the bench and then <laughs> everybody else comes in as all starters and it, you end up in the finals and the out, I'll eat crow. But I haven't seen that happen a lot in February, you know, March time frame. So Right. Well, I hey, if you're going to make NFL references, then I guess we might as well talk about the Switch NFL. So, so how about, you know, these next couple of nights, you know, Sunday night football, Kansas City at the Jets, and then Thursday night football, Chicago at Washington. We love football, but we ain't asked for this. We going to watch it. I know. We going to watch it. So, Let's get right into it. So the Miami Dolphins, 10 touchdowns last week. 10 touchdowns, I said. 10 touchdowns, you know, last week. All right, here we go. You know, I always got a question for you. How many yards did Miami have? Five hundred twelve total yards. 726. (laughs) <laughs> well, I am, 70 yards per touchdown. And I am here to tell that's you, Mr. Lovejoy. So 75 to the goal line. So they pretty much had 70 yards, 75 yards per touchdown. And, yeah. and I am here to tell you, Mr. Logical, the buck stops here. Oh, you got Buffalo. I'm taking they're my going to Orchard Park. That. Yes, they're going to Orchard Park. I'm taking Buffalo. James Cook, the third leading rusher in the NFL this season, but these teams are pretty even. So like, check this out. So Miami, of course, even though James Cook is the third leading rusher in the league, Miami's the number one rushing team in the league. Buffalo's number seven, Miami's first in yards per carry Buffalo's third, you know, uh, Jalen Waddle will be back, you know, so that's obviously a plus for Miami, you know, having both of your monsters, you know, Buffalo is ridiculous. I think so, they should investigate Miami. Like, <laughs> so I, I know four dudes that run under four, four. So I know Miami put up 70 points last week. Buffalo can't match that, but they did outscore their last two opponents, 75 to 13. They're coming off a game where they had nine sacks and four interceptions. You know, I think that That's Buffalo. Commanders. Yeah, I think Buffalo still needs to let the Dolphins the well, I guess they can't tell the Jets cuz they lost to the Jets. But they need to let people know that the East runs through them. So, you know, until further notice. So, um I got Buffalo. Um it was a tough pick. You know, part of it was just Buffalo being at home, you know, um not that Miami has the best home field anyway. And uh the weather isn't the weather isn't Buffalo weather yet, so I think that bodes well for Miami. Because if this first game was in Miami this weekend, you know, early October, you're probably still looking at 75 to 80 realistic. Still got that humidity though. Still got the humidity. Still got the weather. Whereas now they get it in Buffalo, people might get a 65 degree start time. It won't be crazy. Like the, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm in Jersey right now. We got some overcast, and the and the weather's been kind of low, but it's like you're still about 65, 70. So well, if you, you get know, that temperature this weekend, you're solid. You're pretty good, especially with the way the way that Miami runs the ball. So you're talking about Buffalo being third and you said third in rush yards. Well, they're, they're uh, James, James Cook, Cook is third. Yeah, yeah. Buffalo seventh overall. 
Miami, Miami gives gets the ball to the speedster no matter where they are on the field. Tyre, and it's something else I noticed. I was watching Miami. Pre-snap, we were talking about this with Atlanta. All this movement happens mm-hmm. pre-snap. And then everyone stops. And then they snap the ball. Right. With Miami, what I was noticing is that it'd be a lot of movement pre-snap. And then out of nowhere, Barrios would just sprint towards the sideline and they snap the ball. So as a linebacker, I gotta I gotta look. I gotta look and see what is he doing. So he would go straight to the sideline and it would put Tyreek Hill in motion and he'd come back the other way. And he, he would do the same thing. So now you're looking this way. On the on the different play, obviously two guys can't go in motion at the same time. And he would do something across line of scrimmage is way different than what Barrios was doing. So I think it was and it, it seemed like it was happening on every one of Miami's big plays where they just were, let me just run a speech. Because Barrios is not a, a slow guy either. He's a small, quick slot guy. Mm-hmm. He's like a quicker mm-hmm. version of Wes Walker. Uh yeah. Went to the like, University like, of like Miami. A, like mm-hmm. a quicker, like a quicker Edelman. So he gets in the slot. Mm-hmm. And he makes those moves. So I think Mike McDaniels just is in such a groove. He's in and like bag. I said, I talk about Tua's arm and, and not being as strong as Josh Allen. But what happens is those guys get open so quick off of those kind of actions that Tua just gets rid of the ball. I think Josh Allen will. Miami gets up 10-0. I think Josh is going to press. Either he's going to keep holding on to the ball or he's going to throw it into some crazy double coverage. And then Miami's going to let the horses go. Well, I'm excited. You remember last year, both the games, well, all three of the games, I guess, like between those two teams were good. You know, the playoff one, yep. The first game, you know, uh, down in Miami last year, Josh Allen ran out of time trying to get down the field you know, two-point loss. And then later in the year, when it was a little bit colder, they went up to Buffalo, and uh, they were just going back and forth, up and down the field, playing pinball. You know, Buffalo pulled it out. So, so, you know, these two teams know each other well, but two teams that may not know each other well, and they may – but Jacksonville definitely knows England very well. So, Wembley Stadium, you know. Atlanta beat them last time. Falcons and Jaguars or Jaguars, depending on where you're from, I guess. Yeah. Um, I want to. I want to have faith in my team. Excuse me. I have to <laughs> take care of that situation. I'm doing a little research. I wanna, it never start. It never ends well when it starts off with "I want to have faith in yeah, my team." Yeah, I, I was just doing a little research. <laughs> I was just looking at some things. Um, <laughs> Calvin Ridley was in London the last time. He was a Falcons. I think that the week after that is when he took his leave of absence and then subsequently uh, was suspended. Oh, he, he remainder that year. He was on mental health, and then the next year he was suspended in the offseason. I was never really a big fan of Doug Peterson. I know he had the Philly special and Nick Foles or whatever the case may be, but he did get – he did put in Nate Sudfeld when they could have beat the the then Redskins and then potentially send Dallas to the playoffs when he put in Nate Sudfield. So and that was the last game of the season. That was game two fifty six. And I remember Chris Collinsworth was killing him for it. Yeah, division rival. I mean, you know, you and got a chance to in their season. 
gave yeah. him a win just yeah. so Dallas wouldn't get in. And I know Philly fan, Philly fans on a low will be like, we rock with that, but at the same time, we don't rock with that. Yeah, 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 like yeah. Dallas got shafted or whatever the case may be. But like to see it here and there. I think uh, I think Trevor Lawrence has been playing as if he's trying to live up to the twenty-seven point comeback against the Chargers last year versus just playing fluid. Yes, so yes, you have so many weapons. Etn, Ridley, Ingram, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk. Uh, you have so many weapons. You have an offensive head coach. Just play to the strengths of your weapons and not to the the allure of last season's playoff victory. And it'd be fun. I think he would make that next step. <coughs> I think they I will. They to make it on Sunday. I think um, they will. So I'm taking I think the line they're desperate. Atlanta's going to c- control the clock. Yeah, I think Jacksonville's as desperate. boring as that may be. I think they'll just try to control the clock. Yeah, I think I think Jacksonville is desperate. You know, last week against Houston, they only scored 17 points. They lost by they 20. Whooped. They got whooped. They, yeah, they lost by 20. From Ohio they, State. They had 404 total yards in that game. You know, they had the like I was talking about the video game and the jack. Yeah, you know, like when you playing spades. Somehow that Jack got across the table and won the book. And you're like, how yeah. the hell did that happen? So, you know, this that's that, with the fullback returning the yeah, kickoff. Return return yeah. kick and, and not only did he return the touchdown, he muffed it too. And he picked it up, broke three tackles, and took it to the house. Uh, you know, Atlanta is eighth in yards allowed, so you know it's gonna be tough to move the ball against them. And if Atlanta can <sighs> have success running the ball. You know, we talked about it. Detroit held them combined, B. John and Algier, 17 rushes for 45 yards the other yeah, day. 50 yards. You can't, you, yeah. can't win, you can't win football games like that. Yeah, so I don't know if Jacksonville's defense is good enough to do that, you know, but I just think that coming off of last week, the turnovers, they were probably still a little hungover from losing to Kansas City because I think they put a lot into that game. And obviously it didn't work out so well for them or me, but, you know, but I think Jacksonville pulls it out, you know, which gets me over, you know, um, Ravens and Browns, you know, that's going to be a great game. I think, you know, Baltimore coming off the overtime loss to Indianapolis where uh, Zay Flowers got held on fourth down and they didn't call it, but that's a whole nother story. And then you got the Browns, only giving up 10.7 points a game, 3.2 yards per play, and they've only given up 21 first downs in these first three games and only one offensive touchdown in you these three games. Hear, you ever hear this uh I remember I remember like this the basis of this 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 uh my point is coming off what uh something that Nick Wright said on the first things first a couple years ago and he was talking about how it was the Dan Campbell quote, you know, like Dan Campbell, he's like a he's like a gritty guy. He like embodies the city of Detroit. Yeah. And he was like, he makes it seem like, oh, so guys who go and coach or play in Miami, just like the glitz and glamour of Miami, like, are they just are they not gritty <laughs> guys because they play in Miami? 
And the same thing with teams like L.A. or Vegas or whatever the case would be. He's like, are these guys not gritty football players because they play in these glamorous, you know, you know, style cities? But with that being said, Cleveland is like a blue collar. We used to build cars and make steel here kind of city. And it all went away. And all we have now left is football. And I've picked against them the last couple of weeks. But just what I admire about football. The like I love the skill positions, you know, like like the guys who are flying around linebackers, corners, mm-hmm. safeties, running backs. Like I have two sons that play football. They play linebacker and running back. And I'm like I said, my now sons plays quarterback. So it's like all the skill positions. But the the love, the the love I have for football is in the trenches, man. Those dudes are just grinders. The big nasties they do so much. The big nasties in the middle. And I think Cleveland just keeps, for some reason, finding these big nasties and put them into this scheme, and they just make it work. No diva stuff. Like, I think Baker Mayfield might have been a little bit more of a diva than same thing probably with Od- Odell Beckham Jr. Deshaun Watson, for all intents and purposes, yes, he had his, you know, he had his issues, and, and he's working through that, and no one's here to condemn him for that. But I think at, at his core, he's just a you know he's a grinder. Like he he runs the ball hard. He doesn't run out of bounds. He's just one of those guys. He's just a gamer. Like you don't know what the stat line is for him from Clemson, Houston, and now Cleveland. But then you look up and he might be twenty one for thirty two, two hundred and twenty something yards. But he also has like eight rushes for 62 yards and four of those rushes went for first downs. Like just that kind of like not running out of bounds, just that, that, that battle mentality. And I think Lamar plays that same way, but Lamar might be in a situation where he's trying to prove I can throw. Whereas Deshaun, no one ever doubted his ability to throw the ball, even though they might be on par, the conversation and narrative surrounding each one of these guys passing the ball is not the same. No one talks about how Deshaun can't pass it and how the new offense is going to be too much for him. That's all the conversation has been from the time of Lamar didn't sign his franchise tag. They hired new offensive coordinators after they fired their previous one. The whole conversation has been about can Lamar keep up on it? I think sometimes that might cause you to play a certain type of way. So I'm going to take Cleveland because they're at home. And they, like I said, I think they play the trench as well. Um, I think that's that's the toss of everything else can be completely even. I just think that in a you know twenty to seventeen game, Cleveland's going to be the team that moves the ball down in the tie game, seventeen seventeen in the fourth quarter, and gets a position for a field goal. I'm taking Baltimore. I'm taking Baltimore. I need Deshaun Watson to show. Yes, because you're from Baltimore. No, <laughs> I need Deshaun Watson to show me that he can string together consecutive performances. You know, because he played really well last week, probably his best game back since he's been back from suspension and everything. But I just got to see it twice in a row. You know, I like the Ravens, you know, coming off that loss last week. They're the type of team that just handles adversity. They bounce back. You know, you never know who's going to suit up for the Ravens. They're always injured. But the one thing you could count on from the Ravens is effort. You know, yeah, so, play hard. Yeah, so, so I'm going with the Ravens in that one. You know, real quick, you know, Pittsburgh, Houston, who you got? I took Pittsburgh. Just uh, picked against Mike Tomlin last week. Uh, I like C.J. Stroud. I like what he's doing. I like his confidence. I like his poise. We talk about college football a lot. 
and maybe he gets if Kirby Smart doesn't call the timeout on that fake punt that he recognized that Ohio mm-hmm. State was about to run because they the the whistle blew very late and they ran it and got it. But you know they're like, Right. He's in he's in the national championship game and he's hoisting trophy because I don't think TCU had an answer. Because even with that, they still had a real chance to win. But the kicker just he was confident. I remember seeing his face. He came out there like he was listening to like some real like he was listening to Bone Thugs. He came out there like uh, Charlie Sheen, man, like in, uh, you know, Wild Thing. He came out there like Wild Thing. Yeah, he came out there like, oh, this is (laughs) nothing to me and kicked it into the concession stand. But (laughs) so I'm going to give Pittsburgh the edge because, like I said, uh, I picked against Tomlin a few days ago and I'm like, I'm not going to do it again. See, games like this is why I hate being stat guy. Because the numbers can say a lot of different things. The so me and you, Houston should win. Because me and you always talk about like you know Pittsburgh's defense, Pittsburgh's defense, TJ Watt, you know the turnovers that they've been forcing, you know all that stuff. But when I look at it, they're 28th in yards allowed. They're 30th against the run, 22nd against the pass. <laughs> Like so, well, that, I mean, we're three weeks in, so I it know, can be, but I, I you know. can be at 514 yards given up, I and know. the team's 19. Well, it's to like the Falcons. Can be well, it's at. like the Falcons. The Falcons are like fourth in fourth quarter points, but half of that was the game against Green Bay. So you know, yeah, like, but they're also like yeah. 29th in pass yards per game. Right, that's right. the stat you can use. Like, yo, you you're not passing. You're 29th. And they gave yeah. me a number like five, like four point yards on the tip. Some it's some crazy number yeah. like that. Yeah. So so in the game that the game that should be at midnight, I took the Broncos over the Bears. You know, I I just I think that the, the Broncos, Broncos too, but it's they, like I just think they're gonna play on fire after giving up 70 points. You know, like it's gonna go one or two ways. They're either, they're, anything they're, right. they're either they're either gonna come out on fire or they're gonna come out low. Justin Fields is going to look good for about a Justin half. Justin Fields still doesn't have a 300-yard passing game. He's played 27 games. CJ Shroud has one. Like he just be trying to impersonate Daniel Jones, huh? So, uh, you know, Commanders yeah, and Eagles. <laughs> Commanders and Eagles. So here's I take here's, Philly because Philly, 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 Philly. They just they're just they're just going to maul you. you Philly's you, that ground and pound MMA fight. Like they're not going to keep you. They're just that. Steady dose of Swift, 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 Dallas Goddard, <laughs> AJ Brown, get down to the two yard line, Jalen Hurts. Third hey. one, Jalen Hurts. Fourth one, Jalen Hurts. Third one hey. from the goal, Jalen Hurts. As as my wife would say, you know what makes my heart melt. <laughs> so you know, we saw Philly lose to Kansas City, even though like some would argue they lost to the field. But in their last <laughs> Philly is 17 and one in their last regular season games that Jalen Hurts has started. The one loss was to the commanders last year on a Monday night. That was like 26 to 17 or something like that, right? Yeah, it was Monday night. Yep, Monday night. Uh in I remember Philly. a bogus call got Washington a first down when they were only up one possession. Yeah, though. that's what you remember. You don't remember yeah, the Colts Philly guy, huh? Call. Okay, but no, uh, <laughs> I, I don't Philly... I remember the field only impacted the the Eagles also. But yeah, to your so point, like memory. 
to your point, Philly is averaging 185.7 yards a game on the ground, which is just sounds ridiculous. Swift looks Swift looks ridiculous. He looks like he looks like if you think about he only got the ball one time week one. The way right. he's looked the last right. couple of games. Right. He makes you not want to congratulate the offensive coordinator for figuring it out, <laughs> but it makes you want to slap him for game one. Well, it's it's crazy too. The other part of, like about Philly that gets me is not trying to be hot take guy, but is Jalen Carter the best defensive player on the team? <laughs> Yo, like he was yeah. sitting there at eight. Uh, what was it? I saw, I saw something the other day. They were talking about how you know trading back in the draft and trading up in the draft and how all of that can really work out for you. Maybe you could lose out. But it was like Chicago traded out of that spot prior to it, like getting to eight or whatever the case may be. And they traded out of eight to where they could have gotten Jalen Carter. And it's like, and I know it's not an exact science because everyone yeah. probably. And I mean, they did need a lineman. Get Demario Williams when he was, you know, with the Texans and taking right, one right. overall. Or get Matthew Stafford because of this. You know, everyone's scream get Sam Bradford, and I get it. But the I think the trench players, it's a little even for me, there's just there's like a novice fan. I'm like, that translates. Jordan Davis in college chasing down a wide receiver screen pass that he got beat on because it was like a screen and he ran up and it was like, oh, there's no offensive lineman here to block me. It must be a screen behind me, turns around and chases it down. Granted, yeah, I think the guy still got the first down, but I'm like, he got the tackle on that play at 320 plus pounds. It's like, okay, I can put that on any team and make it work. Granted, they put him behind Fletcher Cock and Brandon Graham and made it work. So then they were like, okay, cool. We got Jalen Carter coming right now. We already have the blueprint because we just did it with Jordan Davis. That's why they sped it up a year because mm-hmm. Davis kind of sat for a little bit and they figured it out. And they're like, oh, this is how you Georgia boys play. This is your technique. Let me get you another one. Let me get Nolan Smith. Let me get Nicole Dean. Let me get guys up here to speak your language and watch what happens. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, yeah it's I got, pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I got Philly, you know, uh, Sam Howell's going to get sacked some more, you know. <laughs> um, then we got uh, – you know, Rams, Colts, this was a tough game for me to pick, but I ended up picking the Colts. I mean, I picked the Rams. You picked the Rams? Yeah, I picked the Rams. I'm going to take the Colts. Um, I don't like the way the Rams block up front. I don't like their lack of weapons. I don't like I don't like Sean McVay's playbook without a like an outside weapon. Mm-hmm. He does, it just doesn't seem like his play call, not necessarily play call, but his playbook his playbook is built to have multiple weapons and he doesn't have them. Yeah, he's allergic he's to call, run plays, apparently. He's calling and he's calling his pass plays. He's calling his pass plays like he has the Bears wide receiving core. They're not all top flight guys, not like you got like Julio, DeAndre, and this Sean Jackson in the slot. Like, but you have, you know, pretty solid wide receivers. He's right. calling pass plays like that's the core he has. It's like no, no, you, you don't have that core. Yeah, I got. Yeah, uh, I'll pick Indy. 
I got the Vikings getting their first win. Oh, Carolina. The Packers. Looks like Bryce Young might play. Doesn't matter. They're still going to lose. And, and I'm, I just real quick before we move from that one, just shout out to Madison, you know, getting all the crazy stuff on Twitter and actually running for 93 yards last week when he only had 69 yards in the first two games. So, you know, Minnesota's turning it around, I guess. You know, uh, I got uh, the Chargers, you know, Jimmy G in the concussion in the concussion protocol. Yo, I'm so sick of Josh McDaniels thinking that it's the quarterback's fault, dog. We all see it's you. We <laughs> we all see it, man. You got over 30 games coached. It's you. You are not good at what you're trying to do. Like forget, forget whatever happened on the field, right? I, I still can't believe this guy drafted Tim Tebow the way that he did. Like, you know, just he traded up for Tim Tebow. I like that tells you everything you need to know right there. But yeah, I Why got the uh Tim Tebow throw one slant. I've been like, this dude should never play football ever again. All right, now I'm about to do something I'm gonna regret. And I you know I'm the a Jets re- over Kansas City. No, I uh, know, no, no, no. I'm gonna pick the Titans. I'm going to pick the Titans. You know, Burrow still nursing that calf. You know, short week going on the road. Uh, Tennessee. So here's something funny. So they played Cleveland last week. I gave you the stats about how Cleveland's holding people to 3.2 yards of play and all that stuff like that. Correct. Titans finished that game with 94 yards of total offense. They are an NFL team. You know, or at least they're supposed to be. Uh, but where, but where this game is interesting to me is because you know Joe Burrow with the injury that we talked about. But so when I was looking at the numbers here, you know, and of course, you know, it's only week four, but passing offense, Cincinnati's twenty six, Tennessee's thirty, rushing offense, uh, Cincinnati's twenty nine. And even with Derrick Henry, Tennessee's 23rd. You know, uh, Miles Garrett had nine sacks last week. Or, I'm sorry, nine pressures against uh, Tennessee last week. So, you know, uh, I expect Tannehill's going to They were trying get... to double-team him so much. When he was, like, yeah. running back and forth and got them to delay a game penalty. Yeah, Tannehill's going to see a lot of Trey Hendrickson, who pressured Stafford 10 times on Monday night. The Bengals... So you pick Cincinnati? No, I'm picking the uh, Titans. And, uh, You're picking because, the Titans, even with all that. Yeah, because the Bengals are giving up 5.1 yards a carry, and that tells me that Tennessee might be able to get this rushing game started finally. And and I just don't know about Burrow's leg. Like, he, you know, I mean, obviously I don't expect T. Higgins well, to drop the passes. One, one play when he ran from Aaron Donald, I felt like he definitely was playing at 65 to 70%. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't, like, know, I'm just, I don't know when it was, but I remember he like he went to the left and he went to like plant and roll back. Like he went to like his left and he went to like roll back. Yeah. To the right side of to the other formation. And that roll was very it was like very it, w- it wasn't like uh, boom. It was like uh, and then by the time he <laughs> got here, he was sacked. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and even with Cincinnati giving up 5.1 yards a carry, Tennessee's giving up 10.7 yards a completion. So this game just has, like, Bears-Broncos written all over it. But, you I know. Took, I just took the home team. 
at, at this point. Well, I think like, Tennessee's the home team, right? Yeah, that's, I took Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. I took Tennessee. Um, yeah. They're healthy. Ray Rule, granted, he's not a Belichick disciple. The long term, I'm not a big proponent that to, to continue to pick Tennessee week to week. The calf injury is problematic for me, mainly because we saw when it occurred, he mentioned it in the post-game post press conference two weeks ago, and then Aaron Donald pressured him up the middle, and then we saw it again. So if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm like, okay, this is what he can't do. Because of the injury. This is what he's limited to. So when he's throwing these quick passes to Jamar Chase. Or he's throwing these passes to T. Higgins. That has to happen. Because his escapability is so compromised. Mm -hmm. He might be. Obviously he's just as smart. His arm strength and everything is all still there. But it's like if he can't get. Whatever, whatever targets he sent to Jamar Chase. So if he threw 15 passes to Jamar and 10 to T. Higgins, those 25 plays, if they simply get those 25 plays, they'll be like, okay, this is what this is what he's capable of doing because those few pressures that he that Aaron Donald got through, it looked bad. Like he he wasn't right. stretching out on his run. He, he was hobbling and you just do it and barely, you know. Yeah, and it, and it's jump. a short week, you know, and with the travel and everything as well. Then uh I got the Saints over the Bucks, you know. Uh Alvin Kamara, welcome back. You know, uh Tampa maybe without is Derek Carr gonna play or is Jamie Winston's gonna play? I don't care. I got Tampa Bay. I you think know, uh, I like Tampa... I like the I like the combination. I like the Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans combination because there's a lot like Johnny Manziel, Mike Evans. If you mm -hmm. just look at the film, mm -hmm. I think he just was like, Oh, if I just throw it over here. Just, just oh, it well, just it's just him and a defender over there. I'm just let it go. Well, I'm alarmed. Like old school because, Julio. I'm alarmed because both of their starting corners are on the uh, injured list. You know, we'll see if they play or not. You know, but both their starting corners are on the injured list. Vita Vea is on the injured list. Devin White's on the injury report. Yeah, so we we'll, we'll just got have to see. Defenders opposite of Jameis Winston, he gonna throw it to two or three. <laughs> That's like, a good point. That's he a just good got point. LASIK last year. That's a good point. Then I got uh, I got New England going into Jerry World and coming out victorious. Same here, and I think that might that might be the game where you're texting me when the score is. 23 to nothing. We were like, man, why did we pick New England? Well, I just think that everybody, including us, got caught up in the Dallas hype from the first two games where they were dominant against the Giants. They were dominant against the Jets, you know, but their offense didn't have they didn't have to rely on their offense to make a play. You know, yeah, their defense. That's a good thing. Like we talked about it. No, that is a good thing. But until your offense has to make a play travel, and they can't. Defense travels because it's like in the defense, I think the only thing a defense really has to adjust for is snow. They gave because up 222 rushing yards to a team that was quarterbacked by Josh Dobbs. Yes, and and but they put Rondell Moore back there. He runs like a 4-3. Hey, that's my guy. It, whoever the cornerback is, number one, he took a terrible angle on that touchdown run. They just took bad angles, but normally defense – 
because five or six guys are only there to rush the passer in an NFL game. If you have your four down linemen, maybe if you have a guy like TJ Watt, Michael Parsons, Miles Garrett's a down lineman. Some of these guys, all they do is get upfield, rush passer, and then try to stop the run. So what we saw out of Dallas was simply those 11 guys on that side of the ball were taking care of business. You can do that in any weather. Only I think the only defensive problem you can have is cornerbacks and safeties in the snow. Because if they slip, it's a wrap. Like if you're a corner and you slip in man coverage, even like cover three, it's a touchdown because the dude's wide open. But for the most part, oh, you got a good running game, my defense is better. Oh, you got a good pass game, my pass rush is top notch. Oh, you got a good screen game, cool. I have, you know, a top notch athletic linebacker wearing number 11. So I just thought that that would travel, and I thought Arizona was going to be just another cog in that wheel of, mm-hmm. you know, Dallas cut, chopping down offenses. But I'm taking New England this week because I think that Bill Belichick will deliberately put his team in place to make uh, to take advantage of Dallas mistakes. Mm-hmm. And Mike yeah. McCarthy won't. I don't I, think he, was, I don't think he will. Yeah, that was a part of my thought as well. You know, um, and speaking of the Cardinals, you know, I think this is the week they get it laid on them, you know, like, so, you know, I'm taking the 49ers plus whatever the points are. I think I saw 73 to 20. No, it ain't going to be all that, but it's going to be something along the lines of like 30 to 10 or, you know, something like that. You know, uh, San Francisco leading Russia, Christian McCaffrey, heavy dose of that, you know, we'll see. And then uh, Sunday night, you know, obviously we both got the chiefs. We don't got to get into that one. And then, we only got one Monday night game. Wait, this hold on, week. hold on. So check it out. So I'm, I'm in before I record. I'm in this match. I'm in the master's degree program uh, through Park University, based out of uh, Missouri. So my professor, she asked about uh, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey because you know they're all Chiefs fans because she's from out there. And I was like, yeah, Taylor Swift might be. Well, the rumor is she could be at the game at MetLife Stadium which is driving up the prices of the tickets for the game. Mm-hmm. I'm like, she's not going to perform. But that's that's the effect. Like, that's the part. They that's just want to be around little, greatness, bro. They just want to be around it. So, yeah, uh, it's going to be yeah. fun. Zach Wilson getting yelled at by fans. Like, these tickets ain't cheap. Yo, but see, but, the, way, but the way the NFL works, but the way the NFL works, the Jets will keep this within, like, a four-point game. That's just how the NFL seems to work. Nah. 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 <laughs> nah. nah. But then we got a uh, nah. one Monday night. We got we got one Monday night game traditional style Seahawks at the Giants. I got the Seahawks, you know, um the Giants got to get off. They got to find a way to start games because so far this season in the first half, obviously a lot of that is the Cardinals game, but Dallas got up on them too. So They've been outscored by 27 points in the first halves of games this year. You know, Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones is going to be top 10 quarterback. He has to get up to 165 yards per game, Daniel Jones, that is. And then on top of that, the Giants are 25th in rushing. I don't know if Saquon is playing or not. You know, so generally my rule of thumb is if Saquon's not playing, 
I don't pick the Giants. You know, it's usually just that simple for me. Yeah, you know, I got um, Seattle on that one too. Yeah, Seattle, but Seattle, this is the week for Daniel Jones. This is the week. Seattle is 31st against the pass. So, you know, if he's going to come out of the shell, this is the week to do it. It's going to be tough. I don't know how much I don't know how much they paint MetLife, but if the Jets are playing home Sunday, yep. they got to turn around and repaint. If they only paint the end zones, then it's fine, but if they cuz that because I've been to MetLife a few times. I know the NFL emblem is at the 50-yard line. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's anything else other than, like, cosmetics to change it. Yeah, they just got, like, their ribbons and all that stuff. The ribbons like, yeah. and the banners yeah. and, like, these other blocks. But the the paint, the end zone paint, maybe that maybe that's tough on a defender or, like, a, like an out route or a slant route inside the end zone mm-hmm. because the paint – because right now, like, I think our temperature – it's been raining. So today is Thursday. They're probably painting at least between Friday and Saturday. Yep. Um, and... I think it's gonna be, you know, overcast humidity. So that could be something to look out for. Like, you know, just guys slipping on routes. You got guys like DK Metcalf that like to push off. So you got a defender who's trying to, you know, hold his ground against DK Metcalf, a big wide receiver in the end zone, and he slips on, you know, wet paint. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, granted, I'm not I'm not sure if it'll be like a, such a Twitter outrage as a Super Bowl paint, but that's a quick turnaround to have right. back-to-back NFL games. And you said the the Jets game, that's a day, if that's a daytime line, they're good to go. It's a Sunday night game. So that's the Sunday night game? It's the so, Sunday yeah. night game, and then the Giants are Monday night. Monday night game. That's, that's going to be tough. That's gonna yeah. be tough unless they better have some it, other kind of plan. But like, I would say any I would, your advantage would be in that case. Even if you were thinking about picking the Jets or the Giants, you would have to be like that basic premise. Like, okay, I got the big, I got Kelsey posted up in end zone. He knows exactly where he needs to be, and the linebacker trying to come over to safety, trying to come over and wet paint, or he's making one of those little dig routes where you like you come in, uh, come back out. So yeah, well, yeah you know, I think so. we agreed on most of most of these games. Like, you got Buffalo, I got Miami. We both got Pittsburgh. You got Jacksonville, I got Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, both got Philly. Both got both Philly. Got you got New Orleans, so I'll take Tampa Bay. Yeah, I got the Rams. You got. I the got Colts. Indy. We both got yeah. Tennessee. I got Cleveland. You got both Baltimore. Got, yep, both got the Chargers. Yep. You know, both got Minnesota. Thank but God. yeah, so come on, come on, Kirk Cousins, man. Shout out. <laughs> I'm not in Atlanta. So you know, um two games back to back at MetLife, two games back to back at Jerry World, because Saturday we got Texas AM playing host to Arkansas. And I just want to say I'm so excited for next week because next week is AM Alabama. So, is AM going to get caught looking ahead? But Arkansas they, played LSU pretty tough last week. They did. I'm picking the upset. I'm picking Arkansas. You know, like every year when they play, this is just wild. I don't know if you remember last year's game, but last year was the big Twitter field goal off the top of the upright. You know, KJ Jefferson fumbled going into the end zone. AM ran it back 99 yards, won the game by two. 
A&M has won 10 and 10 of 11 in this series. You know, um, they got Bama on the horizon. You know, I just think that Arkansas's coach is one. He's playing for his job, probably. Sam Pittman, he's playing for his job. So um, I like old head. I like the and, old, I like old head coaches. And, and Connor Wegman, you know, AM's quarterback, you know, looks like he's gonna be out for the season. So turning the keys over to Brad Johnson's son, Max, you know the who, LSU. Yep. And transfer uh, guys, the least the left handy, right? Yep, and he and he played against you know he has played against and so this ain't the thing where a new quarterback's coming in, it's going to be scary or we don't know what to expect. He's going to play well. I just think Arkansas is going to win, you know. And then since we're talking about upsets, you know, go ahead, you know, I got to say it, I got to do it. Go on and give me the Beavers tomorrow night to upset the Utes, even yeah. though it's not yeah, really an upset. Man. It's not really an upset because the Beavers are actually favored. But just looking at the rankings, you know, like it's an upset. So I'm going with Oregon State to take down Utah. You know, Utah, like they're the Cleveland Browns, basically. You know, they're only giving up six and a half points per game. And they're ninth in total yards given up. So, you know, it's going to be a struggle. DJ is going to have to be accurate. You know, he hasn't been the last couple of weeks. In fact, against Washington State, here, here goes my word. I don't, think he's, I don't think he's organically a natural. I agree. Passing quarterback. And I but, think that is, I think he's, I think he's a strong arm. I think he came from a great California. But even with that, it's just, I think it's a matter of if he was brace young size, they wouldn't let him play quarterback. Oh, here's, here's my word. I got to say my word. Here we go. Here we go. Because, of course, last week, DJ was up in the Palouse. You know what I mean? And he went 17 for 34 for 198 with a touchdown that's, and a pick. That's Washington State. Yes, up in Pullman, Washington. You know, but uh, Damian Martinez, you know, Oregon State ninth in rushing yards per game. Utah ran it 48 times against UCLA. So I expect this to be a very, very, very low-scoring game. You know, still no word if Cam Rising is going to play or not. And even if he does play, how rusty is he going to be? Is he going to trust his legs to take off when he I'm needs to? I'm not sure why anybody even believes that Cam Rising will play at I all don't this know. year. I don't know. He tore his ACL in January. In the bowl game, yep. So, yeah. It's November. It's September 29th. It's not even like that's an 11 month for Adrian Peterson was the anomaly. Adrian Peterson had surgery, I remember, January 1st, because he, he tore his ACL late December in the game. Towards ACL, MCL, PCL, everything was gone. Had his surgery. All the L's. January 1st, and then started the season, and then almost broke Eric Dickerson's record. Yes. Yeah. That sounds like, oh, the surgery went great. No. His mother was like All-American at track, and his dad was an All-American linebacker. So he was just genetically different. Yeah. Like that's why he was able to come back. Mm-hmm. Everybody's not built like that. Well, the Utes, uh, I think they should uh they need this game, even though they're undefeated, you know, when it comes to the Pac-12, because next week they get Cal, so they'll get a little bit of a breather. That's a win. But, but then, but then is the back-to-back from hell. 
when they go to L.A. to play Trojangelis, a.k.a. USC, and then they come back home for Duckzilla, a.k.a. Oregon. So uh, these next couple of weeks are going to be big for the youth season. Everybody's been disrespecting them, not necessarily considering them to be a factor and chance to win the Pac-12, even though they are the two-time reigning defending champion. They're but uh, I mean, they're number 10 in the top 25. Yeah. I think I think what it is that we have... It's the style of play. When it, when it comes to rankings and how we feel about them, there are the preemptive, oh, we know they're a good team, insert LSU, FSU, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, all these top teams, these perennial top teams, USC, like, oh, we know they're good. And then you have this next wave of teams like Washington, Washington State, Utah, I mean, mixing a little Michigan, a little Pac, you know, Penn State, Michigan State, mm-hmm. if they're good. Uh, <clears throat> not many ACC teams that people kind of like trickling because I think most people, you know, feel about these teams like, oh, they'll lose eventually. Mm-hmm. Some schools, like when you get these Pac 12 schools, you get these Big 12 schools. Like if Texas runs through their little tough gauntlet here, the, this middle chunk of the season with a couple of rivalry games, yeah. they're going to be a force coming down the stretch to, oh, can, yeah. to to knock a team like LSU out of the college football playoff because Texas is going to be in a position to be like, they're going to have more quality wins, yada, 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 yada. That that whole narrative that comes along with it. Yeah. So I think there's there's like seven to eight teams, you know, the top seven to eight teams that people just kind of lock in like, oh, these teams are good, but the teams that around this time, early late September, early October, that are your nine, ten to seventeen, people kind of feel weary about them. Well, you um, know, I I brought up A uh, and M Bama next week. Next week is Red River as well. So high noon Texas State Fair Sooners and Longhorns. So please, guys, get through this weekend because Texas has the Jayhawks coming in. The Jayhawks can put up points with the best of them. And then Oklahoma has the Cyclones coming into Norman. You know, normally I wouldn't be worried about that, but Iowa State's just one of those teams. You know, you can't take your eye off the prize. But I got uh, two more upsets for you. You know, two more upsets. Yeah, I got – well, well, some of these aren't necessarily like – like I said, Utah would be an upset just off of ranking, but Oregon State is the actual favorite. Yeah. Um, a- A&M's favorite by a touchdown. So, you know, uh, but give me Florida going into the Commonwealth and knocking off the Wildcats, you know, uh, from from 1986, the 2018. Wait, hold on. You got Florida beating the Wildcats? That's not an upset. Florida's ranked. Uh, Kentucky was favorite last time I looked. They were favorite? Yeah. Let's see what I got. Let's see, but uh, so Kentucky's undefeated. Yeah, Kentucky's undefeated. Uh, yeah, I got it right here. Kentucky's favored by one. Uh, okay. So, so you know, but uh, Florida is just. I think the win against Tennessee gave them a lot of confidence. You know, it's funny because looking back at this series, you know, from uh, let's see, I had it in my note here. Here it is. So from. From the late 80s until 2018, they beat Kentucky 31 straight times. But Kentucky has won three out of the last five. You know, these games get a little wild, too. I think this was going to be another low-scoring game. You know, who's going to run the ball better is basically going to 
tell the tale. Florida has an ETN. 2017, something like that. Yeah, Florida has an ETN. Kentucky doesn't. You know, uh, Devin Leary came in from NC State, was supposed to be the quarterback that Kentucky hadn't had in a long time, but he's been turning the ball over. So Florida's going to make him pay. I mean, he threw two or three picks against Vandy last week, you know, for example, as as a reference point. And then my last upset, this is the one that I have the least bit of confidence in because this is no this went into no statistical analysis or anything. This was just it's straight up. Big. This was my mind. Give me Michigan State over Iowa. So I know, you know, Michigan State just fired Mel Tucker. Does They're going into Iowa State. One foot out of the door, man. They I might know that's another game. That might they be might the point. That might be the, the point. The that's that's the point. You know, they got thirty days to jump into the portal. So it's time to audition. You know, Iowa is coming off a game where they had 33 plays and only 76 total yards. And I don't think that they're getting any better. We talked about, you know, how their uh, receivers only have 14 catches. You know, they're running, the top two running backs have been injured. I think that sword of Damocles holding, hanging over their head with that point total is tough. That's tough yeah. pressure considering that yeah. they don't have the personnel to score those kind of points like yeah. consistently. 25 yeah. points isn't a lot, but that's essentially scoring on at least four, 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 four or five possessions. Depends on how many field goals you kick. Yeah. If you're not, if you only get 33 plays in a game, <laughs> I mean, how many possessions did you really eat? Okay. Yeah. Right. Maybe you got 11 three and outs, but. <laughs> Well, I'm that's going with Sparty. That's that's my that's my uh my 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 reach upset. That's the one that I feel least confident about. Michigan is going on the road for the first time, going up to Lincoln, Nebraska. Michigan, you know, for all you betters out there, has not covered in any game this season yet. What's the you spread know, for this one? The spread for this one, I'm glad you asked because I will pull that up. I got it right here, actually. Yes. They are favored by 17 and a half. Colorado beat them by more than that, so yeah, I, I would take that. Take I would that too. Situation. I would too, but I'm just saying, beware. Georgia has not covered yet this year. They're favored by 14. Their first road game going down to the Plains in Jordan Hare, where I like to call it West Georgia, even though it's in Alabama to play the Auburn Tigers, the Deep South's oldest rivalry. You know, uh, Hugh Freeze might have something up his sleeve. So we might see something like a 10-7 halftime game and then Georgia just wakes up in the locker room. So, you know, I can see something like that happening. But what the game... What do you game, got see Colorado? I got Colorado covering, but I got Colorado coming through the back door. So I got USC jumping out early, 21-3 or so, something along those lines. Because I think that... It'll look Bear, a lot like Oregon. Yeah, Bear Alexander is going to be all up in Shadur's Chile. You know, because they're not going to be able to block. They're not going to be they able to. They don't have the dogs in the trenches. And, yeah. and like I said the other night, I really believe this. Like, I try to get more into the numbers more than I try to get into the psyches and all that. But Caleb Williams heard all the talk about Shador for Heisman. And, you know, he heard about, like, how this guy is, like, going to take over the conference X, Y, Z. But even Dion gonna- clearly said that Caleb was number one pick. Well, I know that, but but you know what I mean? But but you, but you said something like, hey, I'm bringing my luggage and it's Louie. We coming for the number one spot. And he said nothing else. 
I think Caleb. I think Caleb knows he's 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 upper echelon and he's no. But we know that as great Chicago players. But but we all know that as great players, you Hope have to like Illinois. You have to come, you have to come up with your own internalized BS to stay motivated and all that stuff. Oh, the whole Jordan. Yeah, because this is an easy game. Going out to a bar and a guy disrespecting him, he's like, "Man, I never went out with Jordan." Day yeah, in my life. and Colorado's in a tough position now because Colorado just turned into Alabama. Because I think Colorado's in a good, like the the proverbial Skip Bayless say the catbird, the catbird seat. No, because I, I think, think they the can lose, and I think they can lose. Just think about a. Well, I think we're yeah. having two different conversations. Like I don't. That's Deion not had where a I'm response. Going. Oh, that's Deion not where had I'm... a response about the loss in and of itself. Uh, and they asked him about putting in uh, Kermani, the, yeah. the And they were like, did you get him in the game? He's like, what What made you put him in the game? He was like, the score. <laughs> so it just like, it kind of took the sting off like what the numbers of the score was. And I think he kind of has maybe that built into his uh, his his it's pre well, no, that wasn't speech. no, that wasn't where I was oh, going with going? it. I, I, I was going with like their Alabama from the standpoint that with all the exposure, all the attention, and everything, they're going to get everybody's best shot. Like everybody's coming out to beat Colorado. You know, like this is not like they got beat by Oregon, and people are like, "Ooh, there's blood in the water," or like, "Hey, we're going to go get Colorado." This is like. I'm tired of Colorado getting this attention. I'm tired of turning on the TV, hearing about Colorado. So they're just going to get everybody's best shot as if they are a good team. How many days of airplay does the head coach that's about to play Colorado get? Because, like, I don't know if anyone knew who Jay Norvell was or Dan Lanning before the last I think people knew Dan Lanning just because he came from Georgia, but – Jay, Jay you, think people, you think you think his name was mentioned as far as pundits and just conversations more than Matt Rule? Because Matt Rule was an NFL head coach. No, he it wasn't mentioned more. Than, no. no, it wasn't mentioned more than Matt Rule. So but there you go. But when you're talking about Norvell, like no one was mentioning that name before he said something about the sunglasses. Right. So I think every head coach, like right now, granted, we all know Leak and Raleigh because he slid out of uh out of Oklahoma <laughs> like uh like the Colts slid out of Baltimore in the middle of the night. Uh-huh, the um, Mayflower. The Mayflower. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, his wife and his kids all wearing, you know, USC colors the next day at the press conference. So we, everyone knows who that guy is. And you said everyone's going to get – Colorado's going to get everybody's best shot. I, I think watching the Oregon game, and if you're a coach that studies film, I think you'll just realize that – Colorado has you matched or even maybe outmatched at the skill positions, but it's like, man, we're a plus in the trenches and they're C plus. Right. Just run the ball, especially anything kind of missed. Cause the misdirection is the biggest problem. Cause in the misdirection play, you need everybody to stay home and then set where they are. Like I need you to stay home. Lock this down. Defense set the edge. Well, they have. They well, have. If you're already speed. at a disadvantage. If you're right. already at a disadvantage with your size, and you don't stay home, that's how I get 
It's third. Right. I get a holding call. It's third and sixteen. Well, they have a lot of I guys. Can run this play because I know I can get you guys out of. Position. They, they have a lot of guys that came from HBCUs and HBCU, like the SWAC, is one of the worst conferences in FCS. You know, they have guys that played at Alabama, played at Florida State, but didn't play. Yeah. You know, they they were just on the roster. So, you know, talented, I I suppose. The skill but, positions, yeah. But, 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 trend, but yeah, right, position. right. But, yeah, I got, I got Colorado. I got Colorado coming through the back door. So, you know, I got USC jumping up early and then Colorado getting some late scores to cover whatever the spread is. So, you know. Um, I can see then, USC, like, you know, tricking off and maybe creating a – or force – Giving up a turnover early. Yeah, plus their defense isn't good. You know, their defense isn't that good. So Colorado has – Yeah, their defense is never good. Colorado has opportunity to score. Uh, Then you got college game day. You got college game day going down to Wallace Wade Stadium. And before you make fun of Wallace Wade Stadium, ask Clemson about it. Yeah. You know, so Duke hosting Notre Dame. This is my key to the game. Like, tapping into my Mr. Logical right here. Here we go. Notre Dame cannot let Ohio State beat them twice. You're talking about just the way that Duke Yeah, played. the hangover, the putting everything into that game, the 10 men on the field, like just Two feeling in a row. Yeah, feeling low and all that. Like, because Duke Duke is gonna bring it. Like, I think Notre Dame's gonna win. But Duke, this is their first time ever having college game day. You know, their first time ever being relevant enough to have college game day. Yeah, so they play real. Raleigh Leonard is looking like a, uh, you know, looking like a star. Yeah, star looking, looking a little Josh Allen ish, you know what I mean? But, you know, yeah. Ranked so, 17. But, but that's very, what I'm saying. Very, like, a very confident basketball player. He has that, he has that, that swag and that, that bravado mm-hmm. that you need. But I think Sam Hartman has that experience. And if you put 11 men on the field, maybe they beat Ohio State. But like you know, like I said, definitely it was a better game. I think Hartman. I feel for Marcus Freeman. They kept putting a camera on the coach. I was watching the game, and you know, support black coaches. You know, um, I just was watching. I was like, yo, this this might be a thing. I mean, I think Sam Hartman got tightened up his sleeves, though. I'm gonna say that again. I want you with Jamie sleeves, nor Sam Bradford. Well, stuff. I think I think this game is going to look a lot like the Ohio State game. You know, where like points are going to be hard to come by. You know, Duke is uh, fifth in the nation, defensive yards per play. You know, Notre Dame is number six. But this is the problem. This is the problem. Outside of Clemson, Duke has played UConn, Northwestern, and Lafayette. So smart scheduling. It is. You know, so, yeah, I got Notre Dame. You know, uh, Duke's one of those teams. You know, uh, what is it, the – what is it? Uh, good at everything, master of none, or something like that. Uh, jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. Yeah, that's Duke. That's Duke. That's they're how they solid. Those crew chiefs back in the day. Yeah, they're solid all the way around. You know, they don't. They won't beat themselves, but they aren't going to necessarily take the game either. Because looking back at that Clemson game, Clemson probably should have won that game by double digits. You know, like nah, there was just, people there was say a, that, but I watched that game. There was a lot of red zone. Fumbling. There was a muffed punt that put Duke but that at the was, thirteen. That fumbling. That fumbling was a byproduct of Duke's physicality. 
I think Duke, I think it was a physical game. And physical games tend to look like that because what you have is when you're physical like that, when you're physical up front, you have uh you just have to you have to battle through. And what happened was on some of those possessions with those turnovers, it simply was because Duke was more physical as causing a turnover. It wasn't like they got like errant overthrows for interceptions. It's kind of out of nowhere, a bunch of tip passes for interceptions. For instance, like the Detroit, you know, NFL, Detroit, Kansas City. You had Kadarius Tony just dropping wide open passes. One of them got dropped right in the hands of Branch that he returned for a pick six. Mm-hmm. Even with that drop off his hands that got returned for a pick six, if he catches the ball in that fourth quarter drive, Kansas City's rolling because that was like an 18 to 20 yard catch there. Mm-hmm. They're rolling. They're probably kicking a field goal. They're going to win because those those turnovers and the deflections were kind of fluky. Duke was just out. Duke was got a couple of those fumbles off of just putting the helmet on the ball. You know, that was the one where a uh, club Nick chased down the, the safety who picked it up. That's mm-hmm. because the defensive lineman that came through, put his helmet on the ball. And he was more physical in the goal line. And then, of course, when they were trying to pull it, the, the mesh points. But I just think Duke was it was a very physical team that game. But if they haven't had another test since then, mm-hmm. then this Notre Dame thing is going to be tough because Notre Dame's coming off of probably mm-hmm. playing the most five stars in the Big Ten. Yeah. And, and then, <laughs> you got, uh, then you got uh, Tennessee trying to get revenge on South Carolina, you know, because South Carolina – Ended their playoff chances last year. Hendon Hooker got hurt, you know, going back to kneeling, blackout style. So, you know, I expect Tennessee to win, but don't be surprised if it's a close game. But where I got my eyes, I got to figure out what they call it these days. I'm going to Google it right now, actually. But I still refer to it as the Courier Dome, you know, because Clemson is going. Yeah, Clemson's going up there. Syracuse is still undefeated. It's the JMA Wireless Dome. There you go. The JA, the JMA Wireless Dome. But um, so Syracuse and Clemson. Remember now, Syracuse beat Clemson in a year where Clemson won the national title just a few years ago. Uh, then the last the last two years, the final scores of these games, Clemson won both of them. Excuse me, Clemson, Clemson won both of them. But the final scores, seventeen to fourteen, and twenty seven to twenty one. So last year, Syracuse was actually up in Death Valley, twenty one to ten in the third quarter. They made the switch. They took DJ out. That was the end. Kate Klubnik made his debut, uh-huh. brought him back, and you know. Like Twitter was buzzing after that game about how the refs carried Clemson down the field and, you know, got them out of there. So Syracuse is not afraid of Clemson is the point. You know, Dino Babers is not support black coaches is not afraid of Clemson. I think Clemson wins, but I wouldn't be shocked to see another close game. Uh, the thing about Clemson, like I said, I, I like I like what they have. I like the talent that they get. Like I said, they, they're one of the recruiting, as far as recruiting the top one or two teams in the ACC every year, especially since they were winning national championships. I think Dabo Sweeney 
coming out talking about, oh, we don't use NIL, we use a portal, we, you know, just just trying to hold on to this 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 archaic era of the coach. Being well, he said that they use. The he said they use God's use God, name. Uh, like in him, yeah, image and likeness. Uh, so he just he's trying to hold on to this antiquated, you know, ideology of the coach and the 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 university, the university and the coach, they're the team, and yada yada yada. And I think that can hurt him because Spencer Rattler, a guy who's from Arizona, went to Oklahoma, transferred to South Carolina. I think this is a year that he might be able to come out and maybe be a potential NFL draft pick. I'm not sure if that Netflix documentary is still hurting him. Beamer is going to have to really play to win, not play to be competitive, not play to be good, not play to be, you know, not play to say we worked hard, which is a mindset thing. So. They played Georgia tough, and they could translate that same energy that they put in the Georgia game and extrapolate that over to this uh, Clemson game. I think it'd be good. Battle of the Carolinas. You know, you probably got a lot of guys who know mm-hmm. known each other for years. As far as recruiting, probably guys that are on the same team or rival high schools or different districts and different camps and things of that nature. So I think it'll be an interesting game. I think that this these kind of interstate rivalries are just. They're kind of the, the bread and butter of college football. And, you know, I hope for a good game. I'm, I'll am i pick – I'll go with Clemson just because mm-hmm. of recent history of their ability to close down games and win, whereas South Carolina seems to have a, a bit of a we're happy to be here and be competitive. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I looking – well, I'm looking forward to next week. Like I said, before we get out of here, I'm looking forward to next week. Here are a few games that I'm looking forward to next week. So you got, uh, depending on what happens with Kentucky and Florida, you know, if Kentucky does pull it out, they go between the hedges next week playing Georgia, you know, so that could be an early SEC East title game. You know, you got Red River, like I said, Kentucky in a title game. How dope is that? Yeah. You got you got, needs it. you got my Terps going to Columbus next week. You know, Florida State coming off the bye to beat up on Virginia Tech next week. I love that. Um, if LSU can survive Ole Miss, which I think they will, they're a two and a half point favorite. I'm with Ole Miss, I'm I'm stuck in you got to prove it to me mode. They got to win some of these games for me to take them seriously. That's why I didn't even really talk about it much. But if LSU gets out of that game and Missouri can survive Vanderbilt, you got two undefeateds meeting in Columbia, Missouri next week, LSU at Missouri. They're not two undefeateds. You know. LSU's not undefeated. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. My bad. My bad. Uh, they lost to my team. How about that? Yes, yeah, so uh, right. Yeah. Sure. Then. You got my guys leaving the Palouse. You know, saying Cam Ward taking it on the road to Los Angeles to play against UCLA and Dante Moore. Syracuse. If they can- Dante Moore looks good. I know we had the, the guy, the guy that commented on our Facebook page. Shout out to uh, you know, all the people who like to comment, subscribe. And we I've never said anything negative about Dante Moore. And and you were the first person to put me on. Like you said. They found a freshman phenomenon, Dante Moore. They should play him for the rest of the year. Yeah, like, and that it was, was awesome. the first I've heard of him. It was awesome because so, he was supposed to go to Oregon. Yeah, so I hope that guy, you know, 
keeps listening to sports reports is ordered, you know, two vets, no gimmicks. Um, I liked, I like what UCLA did. Like I said, that fight, that drive, when they got the fourth, they were like fourth and 27 from the two or three yard line. And four plays later, they were in the end zone. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, a, that's a talent move. You know, yeah. you know, you can, you can be up and down all game long. So I, I like, I like, I like what UCLA is doing there. And I think California is such a great, it's a hotbed for, for high school football oh, yeah. talent. Yeah. They just have to figure out how to keep that talent in because it's a lot of teams taking California players. Utah's loaded with them. Arizona's loaded with them. Texas is getting a lot of them. So, so if if Syracuse can beat Clemson, they set up a showdown at North Carolina next week. You know, uh, like this. It's just the schedule is just you know in the game that only I care about. Michigan going to Minnesota for the little brown jug. You know, I used to love that on on uh, NCAA. Like, yeah. I had a friend of mine we used to play. We would play the rivalry games. To yeah, see and they don't play the every year now. Games. So you know, you got to take it I when you can. Trophies. You got to take it when you can. You know, you got Notre Dame at Louisville next week. You know, so like you know, like you got uh you know, I mean, another game that only I care about: Baylor and Texas Tech. So next week is going to be. A great week of college football, you know. This week, we I think has this some, week, but this, this week, game, this week we're gonna have some surprises. Yeah, there's some, there's some like, stuff. Like two weeks ago, yeah, it was yeah. Like two weeks ago, we didn't have anything. We were kind of waiting. It's on bubbling this week, but then two weeks ago, we got the Colorado, Colorado State. I'm like I said, I'm watching it two o'clock in the morning. It's one o'clock in the morning for you. So I think, uh, I think college football is in a great place. I know a lot of coaches are. You know, seemingly taking a lot of shots at the NIL and the the, the money and the transfer portal. They're just mad they're not but in control they, anymore. If they if they all take a step back and look and say, we are really putting a top notch product on the field. These games have been good. These have been some yes, good games. This, this is Georgia like, South Carolina was a good game. Alabama losing to Texas is a good game with, with the top recruit. When's, when's the last the time? Unless you think, like you being everybody, unless y'all think that Georgia is going to just win three in a row, when's the last time this many teams was this relevant at this point of the season to where we were sitting here like, who's going to win the national title? You can get 10 hardcore college football fans and 10 hardcore college football pundits. I mean, I'm talking about television journalists. And you put the 20 of them in the room, and you would probably get 20 vastly different Final Four college footballs. And that's the thing is like some years you just have look, these teams are rolling. Clemson with Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence is beating the hell out of everybody. And then you had uh Alabama. They're like, okay, they're on a collision course. Ohio State with Cordell Jones and uh, you know, or like Braxton Miller and all these other guys. You just like, oh, these guys are just head and shoulders above everyone else. Back in the day with USC, with Reggie Bush and Lindell White and Texas, you knew they were on a crash course, especially when it was like they only picked two teams. Mm-hmm. Now with these four, you never know. You never know what could happen. Oklahoma is a big enough name. Can they run the table? Texas, yeah. with they went over Alabama, can Alabama turn it around to then make that Texas win look even better? So when 
the year when the dust finally settles, it's like, oh, this would be the perfect year for a 12 team. <laughs> exactly. And and this is why it's so it's so juicy to have the the only the four teams, because I think LSU getting slapped around by Florida State in that game, they could turn it around. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, they got to go through the gauntlet that is the SEC. But you have a team like Michigan, their head coach is suspended for three games. We didn't even talk about it. They didn't miss a beat. Mm-hmm. Ohio State, Ryan Day calling out Lou Holtz, dying his beard, all kinds of crazy stuff. And they're still getting in action. So, like, I think this is one of those years where if you are a college football fan, this is the this this year right now is definitely different than the past couple of years. Um, like I said, I'm excited. And like I said, I'm getting more into college football as far as like the nuance and the minutiae and everything because uh, like, you know, doing this podcast and the conversation with you. And then even if I didn't have this, we didn't have this podcast. Dion being on Colorado is enough to be like, oh, this mm-hmm. is different. This is a different brand. Especially this game knocks off one of these big teams out West. Mm-hmm. It, it, hey, it, look, it, it, it crazy. I'm all I'm, I'm not I'm not saying that it's impossible. Like, you know, like I said, USC defense, they played against Arizona's, you know, Arizona State's backups last week and still gave up 28 points. So, you, you know, like USC twice last year with Caleb yeah. Williams and Caleb Williams was, was on his way to win the Heisman and end up mm-hmm. winning and they lost in the Pac-12 championship yeah. because he tweaked he tweaked the hamstring or something and couldn't run as much. Stayed in the game, uh, but, you know, a couple of timely interceptions of in cover two coverage, you know, so it's like, you know, anything can happen, and, and that's this is this is a good thing. The NFL is always like that. Anything can happen in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Detroit beating Kansas City open at night because they're so evenly matched with the college football. Anything can happen, and it keeps simply because this dude that he's used to coach at Jackson State is now coaching at Colorado and TCU loses, you know, stuff like I, that. I put it like this, you know, I'll close it like this. If there was no transfer portal, then in NIL, then Keon Coleman, instead of catching that pass against Clemson in overtime last week, he'd be stuck in East Lansing, Michigan. You know what I'm saying? Just like that. And I'm not going to keep you guys stuck. You know, we're going to be back at you next week. You know, we're going to come back, see how we did with our picks. Hopefully these upsets went through. You know, we'll see what happens. But America, we love you. Peace.